0: Oh yeah, ladies and gents, as promised in a podcast earlier this week, it's your buddy Gavin, back for more, Tuesday, March 5th, let's double check on that, Tuesday, March 5th it is, anyway, we're here, Filibuster Freestyle, coming up in a few seconds, our buddy Dan Ruttle, huge True Detective fan and pundit, expert of course, and huge Game of Thrones fan, and an aspiring Game of Thrones pundit. Uh, for those of you who listen to the Wine, Wall, and Dragon series for myself and Dan O'Brien, Dan Ruddle typically watches Game of Thrones about 30 minutes late every Sunday as he puts his daughter to bed and then texts Dan and I um, as he finds out what happens on Game of Thrones while Dan and I are on the pod talking about what we saw. He runs on like on a delay. Anyway, we're going to give Dan Ruddle a chance tonight to talk about the last two episodes of season three of True Detective including his thoughts on the ending. And then we're going to get into some hot takes and outlandish theories and predictions about the final season of Game of Thrones, which will hopefully wet your whistle, a.k.a. satiate satiate you, excuse me. I was going to say saturate you. I don't want to saturate anybody with Game of Thrones content. It's impossible. But hopefully it will satiate you as you wait for the April 14th premiere of Game of Thrones, the final season on HBO. And of course, Filibuster Freestyle will be there with myself and Daniel. Dan O'Brien for Wine, Wall, and Dragons every single week. Here comes the theme song, and again, our buddy Dan Ruddle coming up next on the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster
1: freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch
0: freestyle. out for the filibuster. Filibuster, freestyle, filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. All right, ladies and gents. As promised, it's Dan Ruddle, fresh off his 40th birthday celebration. Uh, you were 48 hours later from the celebration. Have you recovered, buddy?
1: Somewhat. Um, as I was explaining to you in the uh, in the production meeting prior to recording the pod, I. Had a little bit of recovery time, but I ended up having to drive out to Pittsburgh first thing uh, yesterday morning, and when I say first thing, I mean I left my house at about quarter to four, so mm. I, uh, I I got about six hours of recovery sleep the night before, but should be... Uh, should should be should be on the mend. It's kind of funny that it was the two day recovery time in the 30s and now in the 40s. I think it's going to be uh, you know three to four. Yeah, days I was going to say
0: time, uh, so. the filibuster freestyle, 40 year <laughs> plus recovery time. I'd say I'd put it at three and a half days if you really go after it. So
1: yeah, enjoy yeah, it and then we did indeed do that.
0: Yeah, enjoy it and then have time to recover, which you're working on. So so yeah. yeah. So listen, we got two two important things to do today. Um, one is we got to wrap up True Detective Season 3 So for, uh, the, for yes, those li- for those listening uh, They'll remember Andrew Patterson And I who uh, t- t- Four years ago Attempted to make sense of Season 2 And were obviously disappointed As everybody was Two weeks ago he and I were very excited About where we were through six episodes Of True Detective And then Episode 7 happened And Episode 8 happened And We'll talk about them a little bit, but I just want to know. Episode eight ends. Season three ends. I mean, where do you, where 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 were you? But where were you going into the last two weeks? And where were you at the end of the series? The well,
1: like you and Andrew, I was really excited with the way things were going after after uh, episode six. It was a lot. I mean. It, Following up season one again, I use this analogy all the time. It's like following up Pearl Jam ten, but yep. you know, it's it's so hard to to follow that up. But I felt like they were doing a really good job. It was engaging. It was exciting. That it was it felt like there were good, you know, red herrings being thrown out there and sure. good, you know, little little things to be, you know, kind of grasping to, like when we were trying to figure out the mystery and taxi cab fiasco, but. Yeah. And you know, so season—not season—I keep saying season—but episode six closes out with um, Mr. Purcell in the, the 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 pink rooms, as they ended up calling it. Yeah. And that the the blurry faced guy who presumably was uh, Harris James coming it, up behind him.
0: Yeah, it him. was for sure. Yeah.
1: And you're thinking like, all right, here we go. This is the start of you know the really great ending in the last two episodes and you know episode seven i thought was good actually uh, yeah i agree because
0: at the end of episode seven you've got um hayes getting into the back of the the cadillac to talk to mr hoyt and you're like holy crap another great ending go ahead and then uh, yeah they they had it all set up
1: yeah he gets into michael rooker's car who is just a (laughs) First-rate villain in any walk of life. Yeah, great character
0: any, actor villain.
1: Yeah, it, any anybody trying to cast a villain in your in your movie or TV show or series or whatever these days, look look no further than Michael Rooker because he is a fantastic villain. It's a nice cocktail. But yeah, but so the, the they had that great scene where he and where he and uh, Hayes are in the woods. Yep. And then, like, I I just, there were so many things and so many loose ends they left untied at the end of it that you're just like, ah, that's it? It really left me kind of feeling flat. Like, so so many things, so many things left untied up. So many loose ends that I felt like, man, I, I really, it felt like they got to the end, realized, oh, crap, they only... They only scheduled this for an eight-episode run. We're not going to be able to tie all this stuff up, and so they just like kind of, yeah, did it the best they could, I guess. But you know, really kind of left me feeling like very anticlimactic. It's yeah. Like, okay,
0: so so. For, for for one, everybody moving forward, spoiler alert, because we're going to ruin the ending right now. Um, yeah. This is this is kind of. I totally agree with everything you said. I totally still agree with everything that Andrew Patterson and I said three weeks ago, which was. Mm-hmm. I love the first six episodes and that they were creepy like the first season. They had yep. guessing like the first season. I was excited to see what happened. Okay. Episode six, cliffhanger ending. Episode seven, cliffhanger ending. Episode eight, and you just said it, they they not only do they not tie up loose ends, but their big turn, their big moment, their big like, oh my god, is that it was a happy ending. And yeah. and for for those of you who are Patriots fans, I'm sorry. I, my point is like the the twist is not supposed to be that Julie is fine and she's married to her grade school sweetheart and that time has healed the wound because guess what her brother's still dead her mother's still dead her uncle's still dead her cousin her dad is still dead her dad's still dead the, you know the dad was framed the dad was the framed, dad grew was framed up and for was murder completely ruined the dad was framed for murder Woodard was framed for murder like it is not fine and it is not a big Like the face turn that Julie's fine and it's all good and let's let bygones be bygones, is is super clever and I want to like it. But as 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 a as a viewer of the last three seasons, I'm pissed off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: As as a viewer who thought like, okay, here we go. Episodes one really had you know it it had me looking at the Vince Vaughn debacle in the rearview mirror, being like, okay, this is going to be it, this is going to be, you know, True Detective yeah. having its real rebound, and, yes, and, and, but, but they don't even give you the closure of saying, yes, this was definitely Julie Purcell, Fair. It's, like, it's the theory,
0: and Hayes is like up. 80 years old and senile, yeah. so he doesn't know if it's Julie Purcell,
1: right, and you can't tell if he's having one of, you know, I mean, he's he, obviously he's having one of his episodes when he's there. Or, well, you, you don't even know that because he doesn't start any of the hallucination stuff. Yeah. It's just like he went there to kind of pretend that he was a confused old man. Yes. But the, you don't know if he's pretending or if that's legit.
0: And there was a couple instances of that throughout the season, by the way.
1: Right. Well, what – exactly. So remember that we're like kind of mid-season where he ends up in what looks like a hospital gown standing outside in front of like a cemetery? Yeah. They just never revisit that.
0: Right. Well, what part, is that? I think part of it's like it, one of the things about season one and season three that they did well both times for the most part is multiple time, you know, time frames, same character, multiple time frames. And through this character's dementia, we are just as confused as he is on like when he is as opposed to where right. he is. Great. But again, they did such a good job with all that to then say that maybe we're gonna have a happy ending and that's your big, like, the cliffhanger is a happy ending in a show where none of us really want a happy ending.
1: Right. You want it to be like the, like the ending of season one where someone gets a hatchet to the chest, but the bad guy ends up getting shot in the head at the end, and it's just like, okay, she's alive, I guess, and then Hayes is sitting on the front porch with his old partner and his grandkids, and... Yeah, it, it just, it, it left me feeling very flat and unfulfilled by this Yeah, I mean, I think
0: what I, I love, like, if, you know how people would, like, there are some people who look at sports, right, and they mm-hmm. they only look at the, like, the Sabre metrics, like, okay, this guy's ERA, and his window over replacement, like, if you just looked at the season on paper and said, did they do a good job, and was the ending surprising, the answer is Yes but sure but the eye test is they just crapped away the final 25% of the season and really the final eighth of the season they crapped it away to be glib to be glib and funny and think they were better than us even though yeah. yes was it a surprising ending yes it was did they keep me suspended in what was going to happen until the very end pretty much but did I, am I satisfied absolutely not it's like not at all. It's like with uh, baseball players, usually baseball players, it's like, well, his numbers were good. Yeah, but every time it's a big moment, he strikes out. Yep. You, you know? Yep. Not every at-bat is the same, even though every at-bat is the same. And so the ending was very surprising. I yeah. didn't see it coming, to, but I didn't like to,
1: it. And to use an obscure, you know, early aughts Phillies reference, that episode was the Bobby Abreu of True Detective Seasons.
0: A nice one. A nice episodes. reference there.
1: Yeah, there'll be... Maybe a hundredth of your of the of the listeners will get that reference. But that's a really good reference, and
0: I think there are other there are other players like that. I mean Adrian yep. Gonzalez when he played for the Red Sox, hell of a yep. player, still had pretty good numbers. None of them were big moments. And yep. so anyway, I just feel like they outsmarted everybody, including themselves, to end it with a quote happy. You know, a a, a, a a nice ending, a, a, a right. fun family ending. Julie's alive. She's recovered. Okay. Yes, there was collateral damage, and the whole town is ruined, and careers have been ruined, and lives have been lost. But yep. Julie's happy, so I guess it's okay. Ugh, I don't know if I'm okay with that. No. Okay.
1: No, but and, and then, so, so, so let's talk about a couple of the other loose ends. Yeah, for sure. Hayes' wife. Yeah, what happened to her? Are, are we to believe Where's Amelia that she reading? died? Did she leave him? Is she in jail? Like, did they have this, you know, really contentious divorce where the kids ended up siding with her?
0: I think she's dead, but they didn't tell I did us too, how.
1: But they never, they never cover it.
0: Correct. That seems like a pretty major. Made- because he
1: has all these other He has all these other hallucinations where he's, you know, talking to other people who are still alive. Yeah. So, him seeing her in the study in some of his dementia episodes does not is not enough for me given all of the other dementia episodes to tell me that she's dead yeah so i mean I, I think she is but again I who the hell knows
0: they almost like they almost needed one or two less red herrings just to have time to tie up the loose ends that matter too right right so right. for instance he gets picked up by the hoyt guy your boy rooker right Mm-hmm. And that guy just lets him walk away. So basically they, they come to an understanding that if you stop looking for, her, we'll stop looking for. Her, that, yeah. that that's not how that guy ends that conversation. Right. But either Hayes gets murdered or he murders somebody, or you know what I mean? Like
1: Right. Or or he decides to throw Mr. Hoyt off of that ledge, or vice versa. Something. In that exchange. But it's just like, hey, I am pretty darn sure that you killed my. Chief security guy, and I'm just going to let it slide so long as you stop looking for Julie Purcell. Like, right. uh, that's I and, don't know, and, man. And,
0: and, and like, and like, oh. I, I didn't. I also didn't like how they tried to say, well, the mom sold the daughter off, sold Julie off, and it made the rich daughter who lost her mind when she lost her own family better for a while, and. And that is okay, because the whole thing is, the kid died in the first episode, the little boy. Yep. The boy died, yep. and we essentially found out that it was a mistake, and the one-eyed guy, they got the dead eye. Um, you know, he he wasn't even anybody's fault, but they buried him and all that, but like all that occult stuff and all that child molester stuff and all that, like that all still was real and going on in Arkansas and they were covering it up for rich people and then they were ruining people's lives and then they were like, but it's a happy ending because Julie escaped and, oh, and the other thing that like, the one-eyed man was basically begging for those guys to kill him or take him to jail or both and they're like, nah, you get to live with your pain the rest of your life. Like, again, no retribution, which is really big of them except that, especially in the way it ended, there was no comeuppance for anybody who still deserved one, really.
1: Right? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody got called to task. Nobody paid the price. And,
0: and all the people who paid the price were innocent people or people who were like yeah. bamboozled.
1: like people who died. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and then so Dan O'Brien, not friend of the podcast, not Game of Thrones, not a uh, Game of Thrones pundit, Dan O'Brien, but the the, the, the character
0: Dan online, O'Brien, of course,
1: <laughs> is killed. I think ostensibly, were to believe that he's bumped off by. This syndicate of, you know, the combination of the Hoyts and Harris James and the one-eyed big man. Yes, and why? Why? Oh, yeah. We went to – he went to have a meeting with them at some weird diner, tries to extort them out of eight grand. Then we never see him again. Yeah, we never hear about. It. We don't hear. It. Okay, well, yeah, he was he was killed. All they say is they, they make some reference to the fact that his remains, his skeletal remains, were found in a reservoir that was drained or something.
0: Okay, and here's another take. Another take. Who the hell called Purcell on the phone in 1990? Was that really Julie?
1: Which, which I'm, not, I'm not following you. So
0: which, so I'm just saying, like in terms of loose ends, right? Okay. Like, they realized that Julie was still alive. And they realized right. from
1: that... From the surveillance footage. Right. right. And, oh, so,
0: so, okay. and so the police, who had already covered up how the murder, the, the, the one real murder, or the one real death, and then the alleged disappearance of Julie being a death from Woodward, they had already covered that up, Right. But then somebody calls on the phone when they were doing a news conference. It was like that man's not my dad. Tell him to stop bothering me. Oh, right. Is yes. that really Julie? Is that not? We get no closure oh. there. That's stupid. Great Why question. even do it?
1: Great Why question. even do it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All, I mean, all it has to be is a female voice to call up and say, "I know that man." That I mean. Hell, I mean, at, at that time, couldn't have, couldn't. Um, uh, what was the wife's name? The one who.
0: Oh, Amelia Reardon. Maybe I don't know.
1: Yeah. Is
0: it? What was her? <sighs> but then, well, the other thing is then, 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 then there's the the conspiracy with the nuns, and that the nuns faked her death, so that right. she could then live with Kevin, Kevin the Yard Boy, because his his dad, 50, 80 miles away, was was doing the law the lawn and the landscaping, for the convent. Right. Again, all plausible, but too much going on.
1: Right, and and at some point, okay, Kevin the Yard Boy is one of the kids that gets interviewed in the process of the investigation when she disappears in 1980. You're going to tell me that he's completely severed ties with that community, and that he's not going to confide in one of his buddies? Hey, guess what? Julie Purcell's alive. She's living under an alias and, oh, I have a child with her and we're married.
0: Right. And her name is Mary June. We faced her death to some nuns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, it's it's... Because the thing is... It, it's a it, it's a it's a show with creepy with creepy va- with creepy vibes, yep. and it's a show in which one of the main characters had dementia. But it's not fantasy. It's not you know. It's not Walking Dead. It's not you know. It's based in reality. So the only weirdness is how they tell the story and the dementia of the main character. Kevin wasn't demented, like no. you said. Kevin's still from that town. Ke- like what? Yep. The, what the hell are we talking about here?
1: I mean, there's a lot of things that just, again, they just kind of
0: I'm, left them hanging. Yeah, out. I've, never just, I've never gone from, like, I, I began it with such trepidation, okay? Mm-hmm. I began the season with such trepidation. It, 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 it kept me engaged. It built me up in episodes, like, three through six to a point where I'm like, I am so effing all in on the next two episodes, and I am so invested in the show being back. And then the seventh episode didn't actually fall flat for me at all. And in the last right. hour and a half, they found a way to make, like they, they found a way to be like, we can't land the plane, we can't land the plane, we can't land the plane. Julie's yeah. alive and happy! <laughs>
1: Cut to the get people on the porch. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, man. And like, here's another thing that bothered me. They, the, supposedly, the way that they found out, the way that Mr. Hoyt. It comes to determine that Hayes has killed Harris James is because he's got a GPS in his beeper in 1990 <laughs> wireless. what the hell is that a, a wireless GPS that in 1990 that's stuck inside of a beeper that he can track I mean you and I are both of the age where you remember the size of a beeper I had it's a beeper smaller than a pack of cigarettes
0: and you got to think the the GPS technology, the GPS technology for a layperson in 1990 would not be able to fit inside of a beeper. No. And again, no, we can what, pretend it would, but it wouldn't.
1: Yeah. Oh, there, there are so many things. And
0: it's like, just, it doesn't that, excuse all the creepiness. Like, I, good for Julie. I'm glad you're doing great, Julie. You know, even though you're not a real person. But like, yeah. but also, to your point earlier, is that even Julie? Because this is an old man. Who right. who finally remembers that is and then why does the wife in his like in his inner memory deliver the maybe she's fine maybe the family is healed maybe like why does the wife I don't know man right
1: and, like, and again and because it's then? all hallucinatory why why would you leave it to the audience to interpret whether or not based on this hallucination that that's real and there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with the hallucination. Uh, theme like I like it, or, or I'm sorry, the dementia theme. I, I think on its surface it's good, but so remember the episode where Hayes and you know he and oh gosh, what is what the hell is his partner's name? I'll get it for you. Keep uh, going, Detective West. Yeah. So they're at his house, and Hayes keeps having these these delusions that there's a black sedan outside, right? And so. He goes outside with the baseball bat. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah.
0: But that was and the one I made. Mean.
1: Yeah. So he goes out to he goes out to the car and starts like threatening the guy. The car speeds off. He whacks it with the bat. West is has somehow snuck up behind the car. Taking to record a picture the of license, license plate. plate. And then he slips into one of these hallucinations, where he walks to like the backyard of his house in 1990, right after apparently killing Harris James. But if West is really there and really recording the license plate, which they allude to in the next episode that he actually did, wouldn't he be there to like snap him out of it or try to guide him through that hallucination? Yes, as the, as someone does in all other cases throughout the series.
0: Yeah, agreed. No, yeah, I mean I just think they were. They almost needed, I mean, I
1: realize I'm looking for nits to pick here at this point because I'm so left. But, like, I, if there were a satisfying ending, I think I would have been able to live with
0: Well, the all thing of is, they things, showed us way too many things. They didn't tie them all up and they didn't give us an ending remotely where we wanted it to, to be. Right. So now we're mad at it and we're trying to pick it apart because we're like, here are all your opportunities to just not do these extra things and yeah. come up with a cleaner ending. That's all. Yeah. And it's just, it's weird, like, I mean, I mean, are we, or are the viewers in general jerks for not appreciating that the button hook ending was, like, a nice ending, you know? Because I was, but the thing was, it was so unsatisfying that I don't care if I'm a jerk. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, the only, the only solace I have left in this whole thing is they deliberately, with the interviewer crime reporter lady, broke the fourth wall of... The season one characters were specifically mentioned and shown. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it excites me in the sense that maybe these worlds, and I know these worlds are connected, but perhaps we'll get a fourth season with the original season one characters and some kind of cool thing. It's my only solace. A much better year than, than well, season two, but that's my only solace.
1: Yeah, I... I... I, I would like to think that, but remember, I mean, at the end of season one. Yeah. I mean, McConaughey looks like a junkie. Yeah. And I can't remember, uh, forgive me, did was did McConaughey or Woody Harrelson end up getting the hatchet to the chest? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I forget.
0: Maybe Woody Harrelson, I forget.
1: Because they both lived through it. But I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, like, if neither one of those dudes is in very good shape to be out it, Actively investigating crimes, and you know this this very sordid. No,
0: no question. I, I just syndicate. wonder if there's a way to like incorporate their characters with that crime reporter and yeah. tell a different story that they were involved in and go back in time. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's oh.
1: not. One more thing. Do you remember where they alluded to the fact that Hayes's son and the reporter were maybe having an affair?
0: Oh, that was kind of a brief little sojourn, too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. like
1: uh, Roland like, we- what, Roland what West. The hell was
0: that Roland West alluded to that? I think with him, right?
1: No, no. Hayes talks to. They're they're in the backyard. I guess he's had one of the other the episodes where he's like, "Oh, I oh, I think yeah. that's enough for today." And it flashes to his son and the blonde reporter chick arguing in the house. That's right. And he comes out back and he's talking to him, and th- and his dad makes a allu- loot. You know, kind of calls him out i.e. like hey you're you're sleeping with this this woman apparently sure and and the son says something like yeah d- didn't attend it but well, that, never revisit it, so that it's that like actually
0: situation. though and again they're not I don't think they're gonna revisit the story but at the very end when his son comes and picks his dad up at Julie's house yeah. he picks up some piece of paper or he like folds something like, but the bottom line is I wonder if he tells his reporter girlfriend like hey Julie Purcell's down the street <laughs> You know, like... Oh, yeah. But, like, I don't know. But anyway, I I mean, we can leave that there and get into some Game of Thrones, because I, I just... I went from very, very tepid to a million percent in to, like, yes, it was better than season two, but that's not saying anything, and it fell yeah. short of season one again, which, not their fault, but they had a chance to kind of come in close second, and instead they just came in a distant second. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Distant second. So, listen, man... I know you're pumped for Game of Thrones final season. I am, yes. I'm also pumped. Um, I asked you, you know, I asked you for any hot takes or outlandish theories or things you want to cover. So let's, let's dedicate the rest of the pod to that.
1: Well, I think that we've got, uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this sort of longer form uh Like hour and a half episodes coming up, even though it is only six episodes, I think that's gonna yeah feel a bit more like a a, a sort of like appointment TV experience type thing. Not that it it wasn't appointment TV before, but um, you know, I I watched the trailer shortly before we before we started our conversation, and you know, it it seems very very creepy. As there's a whole sort of Battle scene that appears to be taking shape between, uh, gosh, I guess the, everybody the
0: living in the dead, the living in the dead, the living
1: in the dead. Yeah, you know the entire realm, and you know is is lined up, sort of shoulder to shoulder, and you see the sort of skeletal lower leg of a of a horse of the undead getting ready to march towards them. So that's going to be interesting. You know, I, I a couple giveaways in it. Like I saw. Um, you know, the Jamie Lannister talking about how he will, is choosing to fight for the living. Yep. Um, you know, I think that just kind of goes to the theory that we're going to continue to see this sort of redemptive character in Jamie Lannister, um, as you've seen the past couple seasons, you know, yep. down but not out, and, yep. you know, possibly going to. Play foil in the end to his sister trying to take over everything. Um, you know, I think you saw you know, Tyrion. You know, you, you've got the three Targaryens and Tyrion, uh, Danny, and and Jon Snow lining up uh, to kind of tame the dragons and get ready to ride them. But you know, now that we're down a dragon, I'm wondering if there's going to be a, a revelation at some point that you know Tyrion doesn't quite know yet that he's a Lannister and then finds out through the use of one of the dragons I don't know maybe yeah um <laughs> yeah um we see uh, you know we we did see Brienne of Tars and Tormund both in the uh the preview I think that Tormund was kind of left we were left wondering whether or not he was alive at the end oh of, yeah uh, you know, I the feel Lies like
0: Tormund's alive you know like- it's the hound and torment they've all been through worse than falling off a giant wall with an ice dragon I mean I know that's silly to say but at the same time I don't know. <laughs> no but my point my point is if they've taken it this far we're gonna have to watch those guys die yeah um yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah you know here's what I'm thinking I'm gonna make some outlandish theories or, or claims and I'm gonna ask you a couple questions um, but George R.R. Martin has two books that are unfinished, and their titles are The Winds of Winter and A Hope for Spring, right?
1: Okay.
0: Which means the seventh book, which has not been written, was probably going to be about 1,000 pages long and still be called A Hope for Spring, not like Spring Rules, which which means I think this is going to be an incredibly dark season where we lose almost everybody. Um, So, you know, I think likely the Night's King, the Army of the Dead, the White Walkers are going to do most of the killing of the humans. I think there'll still be a little bit of human-on-human violence because Cersei just isn't on message with everybody else, which is if you're the king or the queen of the living but there's no one alive, you're not the king or the queen of anything. Right. Um, here's what I also think. Danny having two dragons to the one of the Ice King and the fact that she's likely going to have the child of her nephew, Jon Snow... I think those are the two biggest factors in in a hope for spring down the road, but I think it's going to be an eventual hope glimmer when we said when we have it all said and done, because honestly, I think Westeros is going to be the Knights Kings at least from the neck and above to the north and beyond, maybe even all of Westeros. Um, I think the worst case scenario is that Danny is on Dragonstone with two dragons, and it's the only place there are no zombies because it's across the sea, it's across the water, and for whatever reason, yeah. White Walkers don't like water. So I'll start with some of that. What do you think about any of that?
1: Well, I was not aware of the the title of the second book, which I agree with you, kind of alludes to this, yeah, the realm and, and everybody south of the Wall is going to take a pounding here. Um, yeah, yeah. And and they're going to be made to retreat into, uh, you know, to to to, to Dragonstone or somewhere where the yeah. I mean, the, the, the very least, cross the, the very
0: least, the population of Dorne is going to be up tenfold because they got to get somewhere where the snow can't
1: fall. Yeah. Well, but as the as the the army of the undead marches south, can the snow not fall?
0: That's what I mean, yes. That's why I think they're going to have to go across the sea. They're going to have to go at least to an island. I think, you know, the Iron Islands have a shot. You know, there's been some talk about, um, you know, Mira Reed's father, um, who was with Ned Stark at the Tower and is the only other person besides Bran now who probably knows that Jon Snow is actually uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. So there's some thought that maybe the folks up in, like, uh, Greywater Watch, or whatever it's called, I'll find the name of it, there's some thought that they, they are close with the children and the First Men and they have magic and they're able to maybe stop the White Walkers, but assuming that's not real, I think, I think Danny's back on Dragonstone with a couple, de- a couple dragons, an infant son, and a hope for the future, and that's where the series might end. You know?
1: So you think that Jon Snow bites the dust?
0: I think almost everybody bites the dust, and I think Jon Snow, gun to my head, I think Jon Snow probably bites the dust.
1: Yeah. So then, what becomes of uh, what? What becomes of Bran? Well, good question.
0: Sorry, I'm walking over to get my trusty uh, <laughs> That's okay. my trusty hardcover, my crusty hardcover, my crusty hardcover of the uh, Dance of Dragons, book number five, because I want to look at the map, but. Um, I think Bran, there's there's, there's really two scenarios that seem to be pretty popular right now about Bran. I'm not going to blow any minds on this, but it's either that Bran is going to be directly opposed to the Knight's King and the only hope or that Bran, in fact, somehow is the Knight's King. Those are the two big theories that are out there right now. That Bran is either the key to victory or Bran is the Knight's King. Now, I'm not saying... I think those are two great potential false narratives that are being put out there. But... I don't have a third-best narrative that Bran's going to kind of be, be in the middle. I think Bran is going to be very much, whether he knows it or not, connected to the Night's King or working very hard to destroy the Night's King.
1: Well, because there's nowhere left for him to... There's, there's no safe haven left for him anymore, and a boy without legs or, or usable legs uh, you know, in, in this sort of apocalyptic landscape... Does not seem to be something that's long for this earth. So that's right. I, I, what's that?
0: No, I said that's right.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I almost wonder if, but, but he, but he, he appears to be a, a, a linchpin to this entire operation and being and to, to the survival of everyone else in Westeros. So like, I. I I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know how it ends for him or if it ends for him. If he and Danny somehow end up in a place where they are together and they together are the new hope for spring. I don't I Yeah, well, I think, I the, the, I
0: think what everybody hopes is that somehow John and Danny get the job done and ride off into the sunset. I just don't see that being the way it ends. Um, well...
1: So so what is what is what is George R. R. Martin's role in consulting on this season? Like I guess I guess to ask the question differently, are we looking at, you know, the quote unquote end of the final season of Game of Thrones or are we looking at the final season before a very long hiatus before they come back to finish the series after the the book series is concluded?
0: No, I think this is basically it. Um, I think that George Martin might finish the books anyway and finish them the way that he eventually wants to finish them and they may be close to what we see but not the exact I think they've already greenlit some prequels because there's material for the prequels. Sure. So anyway, um, yeah, I think it's by the way it was with Holland Reed of Greywater Watch. He's the mirror and Joe Jen's uh, father. And one okay. of Ned Stark's buddies. My point is, there's some talk that he might have some magic that will help, but I think Bran Stark's going to be a big piece of this. I think we're going to need every single human we've got. I also think nothing is going to happen for the humans until Cersei is dead. Um, Cersei just doesn't get it. She will never get it. And whether it's Jaime who kills her, or Arya who kills her, or the Knights King if he can double-cross her in some weird Meister Kyburn Cersei, deal-with-the-devil, blood-magic bullshit. Excuse my language, everybody. Nothing good will happen for the human, the human types until Cersei is gone. But they better burn her, because I don't want to see her back as a white walk, walker. No, no,
1: no, no. Certainly not. Hmm.
0: But there's so much going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the Starks live the fight another day, but basically through whoever Jon's heir is. I just think it's like... I also do agree that somebody's going to ride that second dragon. Yeah. And it could be not a number of people because, you know, Jon is a Targaryen and he can warg. Tyrion is potentially a Targaryen and he might be able to warg. Um, Arya definitely can warg. Uh, and, and Bran can obviously warg whatever the hell he wants. Does one
1: need to warg in order to, to ride the dragon?
0: You don't need to warg, but there's some talk that Bran in the whole prophecy that, you know, he will fly one day again he may warg into that uh, dragon. I see. He may okay. even warg into that ice dragon. Oh, man. The last take I heard that it's worth bringing up, the last take I heard was that the death of Viserion, the dragon, will allow for Danny's womb, quote, to quicken because only life can be brought on by death or whatever. So her she lost her baby to keep Carol Drogo alive. And somebody's out there saying that with one of her dragons dying and the dragons were born of her burning that witch, that the dragon dying and then her and John getting together on the boat <laughs> that may that may bring about a baby because now that she's lost one of her dragons, she may be able to conceive I see. which you know, good times had by all. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I thought that I, I kind of thought that it was a given that she was gonna.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, no. We all know she's gonna conceive.
1: By, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's just a question of whether that baby makes it or not, kills, like crushes it or not. Is the hope for spring or not? All that.
1: Well, it would seem gratuitous uh, to revisit some of uh, what we talked about with True Detective. It would seem like an awfully big wasted opportunity if, like, she this somehow didn't result in the offspring of, you know additional Targaryens.
0: I 100% agree with that yeah I agree with that so listen what do you think man who who, who do you do you have a take for who's going to be on the throne at the end
1: um I really don't know Gav like I've I, agree, I I do think that Jon Snow ends up biting the dust in some heroic fashion at the end um I I, I gotta I gotta imagine it's it's Danny, right? That seems to be the one. It seems to be the one where it makes the most sense. She's got the most power. She's like the most, you know, sort of. She's got the. She's the most noble of them all. Like she's got this sense of, you know, moral. uh, She seems to have a good moral code about, you know. Sort of marginalized people in her yeah. sort of freeing of the unsullied, or well, not freeing of the unsullied, but using the unsullied and giving them the option to not be slaves anymore. I, I, I think that it's either her. It's not Cersei. Cersei's going to die. That I, I'm sure of that, and that will be you know, one of that'll be the stuff that of. of uh, yeah, I think you know, all from sorts the of bloggers will be talking about for weeks after, but. Um. Yeah, I, that that would be if I if I had to pick one right now, it would be Danny.
0: Gotcha. I think it's I think it's a good pick. My outlandish pick is that Lord Varys is going to bring Danny's baby across the Narrow Sea like he did her so many years before, and stow that baby for the next like twenty years until that baby comes of age. Because I just think bad things are afoot for everybody. Yeah, but I'm super psyched to see how it plays out. I also think that Ary is. Do you think it. Varys is
1: going to make it?
0: Varys always makes it. Yeah,
1: he's fine. I mean, that's
0: much. my hot take. Is that Varys always makes it? I also think that George R.R. Martin's character is probably Sam, and I think Sam like writes the book. So maybe maybe Sam takes care of the baby and they fight back. I don't know, but I don't know if John or Danny makes it. And I think that's that's okay. And I also think from the from completely based on the preview alone. No proof at all of it. I'll leave you with this. I think Arya gets to kill Cersei.
1: Yeah, that would be very satisfying. Which is
0: poetic justice for her arc and for Ceres. Absolutely. Cersei, excuse me. Ceres on the phone. Cersei's (laughs) a Lannister.
1: I I would like to see her get captured or something. And and have uh, Sansa be able to finally shed some blood of her own. Oh, that'd be interesting. I can because handle that. She's the one who really, yeah. You know, they, they all of the Starks suffered at the hand of Cersei, but Sansa was the one to just, like sit there and watch it all unfold as she was, you know, forced to marry Joffrey and all of that nonsense that went on. So yeah, that would be e- either of the Stark girls getting to kill Cersei would be very. Satisfying, in my opinion.
0: I agree. It'll be a hell of a lot more satisfying than the end of True Detective season three. Indeed. To bring it full circle. All right, brother. Hey, good <laughs> stuff. Get some rest. Happy fortieth to you. And thanks, man. Looking forward to the Wine Wall and Dragons. Looking forward to talking to you through this as well. This is it, everybody. Starting April fourteenth. We got six episodes left. Game of yep. Thrones, filibuster freestyle. Dan, thanks for being on, buddy.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to go take some milk of the puppy and go to sleep. (laughs) Take care, man. See ya.